What's going on, guys? And welcome back to the Edison Club podcast. Today's episode is something a little bit different from anything that I have done. And considering what happened to me this past weekend, I wanted to do something just a little special. So if you don't already know, I got engaged to be married last weekend to my forever soulmate, my love, Becky. And I kind of wanted to just do a small podcast talking about how you can know when you found the person that you're supposed to be with and just kind of give you guys some advice. And I also have a couple listener letters that I'm going to answer as well. If you didn't already know, you can send me any kind of listener letters that you would like to over on Discord. And I'm also going to be making a email address for you guys to just directly email me, fan mail, listener letters, stuff like that. And I'll probably get to work on that whenever I get done recording this podcast. So thank you guys for listening. Before we get started today, an important announcement I need to make. Make sure that you write down on your calendars that the weekend of December 9th and 10th, there is going to be a $5,000 Edison tournament held in Raleigh, North Carolina. It's being hosted by Big Boy Gaming. It's going to be held at the fairgrounds. And I'll make sure that I put the link to that in the description below. If you're listening over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever, it will also be in the description the same way it will be if you're listening on YouTube. So definitely want to check that out. First place is going to get a giant black rose dragon card, and then the prizing scales down from there. Also, the Edison Club is handing out a, an additional first place cloth playmat, which features the Stalos, the Firestorm Monarch on one side, and Mobius, the Frost Monarch, on the other side, alongside saying the um, BBG 5K winner on each side of the playmat. It's very cool. I got it made over at Dragon Inc. Make sure that you guys go in and check them out. So, how to know when you find your soulmate? It's definitely not an easy task. I went through a few different um, loves throughout my life before I found the person that I was supposed to be with. So, basically, I started seeing my fiance in December of 2021. Now, this wasn't our first interaction with one another, considering that we actually went to high school together. I had had a crush on her for a long time in high school and never really just worked out the um, the courage to really make any kind of a move on her back then. And obviously, after you graduate and you kind of just go your own ways, naturally, we just kind of, you know, didn't really keep up with each other much anymore. I would see her sometimes around town when she would come in from school and we'd, you know, talk a few times very casually stuff like that so but we reconnect in 2021 later in the year i think it was around november and she had previously just gotten out of a bad relationship and the same goes for myself so we immediately had something to connect on uh, speaking about past experiences with the people that we had been with and found out we had actually been through some similar things with those people so it's always nice when you really hit it off like that. And we talked long distance for a while because she was actually living in Ohio, which is about seven or eight hours, I believe, from North Carolina. And oddly enough, she was living in Cleveland, Ohio, home of my favorite football team, the Cleveland Browns. And that was very cool. So we also got to talk about that. I remember specifically her mentioning 
how is someone that lived in Mount Airy, North Carolina, a fan of the Cleveland Browns? And um, yeah, so we, we just really hit it off. So we talked a lot. We got to really know each other. We send each other voice messages, stuff like that. I'm not a really big person when it comes to talking on the phone. I'm not a big phone person. I feel like the majority of the time, whenever I'm speaking on the phone with someone, it's normally a lot of awkward silence because I kind of require more time to process um, to give a good response than a lot of people do. So we never really talked on the phone throughout our like quote unquote talking phase, but we did send voice messages and videos and stuff like that. So by the time that she moved back here to Pilot Mountain, North Carolina in December of 2021, we literally hung out for the first time and we just, you know, everything that we'd already been talking about was just pretty much put into motion. So I was a little scared at first because when you go through a relationship as traumatic as my previous one, it really makes you put up walls and sometimes it's very hard uh, to knock those walls down. But I can say that Becky came at me with a sledgehammer and was knocking those walls down. And yeah, when we first started dating, one of the first memories I have that really stands out to me was I um, went shooting with a group of Yu-Gi-Oh players and we went to shoot guns at my friend's house and later on that day I was supposed to meet up with Becky make a gingerbread house stuff like that so you know I'm hanging out with my buddies we're shooting guns we're having a good time I'm not really a big gun guy but I mean I'll go and just have a good time so we do that and it ends up taking longer than I originally told her it would I think I told her just take, for example, I'll be there at one o'clock. I think it was like two o'clock before I got there. And I was so full of anxiety surrounding going to meet up with her because it was going to be late. Because what I was used to was if I was going to be late, it would have been a very bad situation for me. There would have been, you know, multiple arguments and stuff like that. Why were you late? Why was this not more important? That kind of thing. And I remember texting her with so much anxiety, and she just relieved that immediately. I remember she said something about, no, take your time, finish up, and we'll get to our stuff when you're done. And I've never forgotten that because it was just so different for me to have someone that was that understanding and that supportive of me spending time with friends that, you know, they just really respected that. So we go through, we have our first Christmas together, first, you know, Everything's first, you know, um, New Year's, um, Valentine's Day. Sorry, I went blank there. And for our first Valentine's Day, she actually got sick with COVID. So we weren't even able to hang out on Valentine's Day. But I did bring her some stuff by. I would bring her groceries, food. I remember I brought her a stuffed animal from Build-A-Bear Workshop. Just all kinds of stuff like that. Just so that she knew while she had to be alone that it was okay to be alone. So this is early on in 2022 and we get closer and we get closer together. And this girl would encourage me to go out and play Yu-Gi-Oh, which was also something I've never had before. Someone that actually encouraged me to be a hobbyist, go out and do things like that. She would encourage me to go to locals, go to these big tournaments. She would ask me, how are you doing? And it didn't matter if I was 10 and 0 or 0 and 10. She was always proud of me. She was always supporting me, everything like that. And that really means a lot when you come from a place of where you really feel like no one understands you. And I just told her for the first time the other day, 
that I felt like she was the very first person in my life that has ever really understood me. And I really meant that because I've just never felt like anyone I was ever romantically involved with really understood me as a person and respected me as a person like she does. So we have our first uh, birthday party together. Our birthdays are only eight days apart. She was born July the 12th. I was born July the 20th. So I always joke and say I'm dating an older woman that I like cougars and stuff like that. It's really funny because she's eight days older than me. Have our first birthday party together. Everything like that. We go through that summer and we do a ton of different things. We go to the zoo. We just spent a lot of time together. And in November of 2022, I we move in together. So it's been close to a year now since we've been living together. And I had lived with a previous um, partner before, and that just did not work out. So that was something I also had a lot of just anxiety over. And she was always trying to comfort me in knowing that things would be different when I move in with her. Things would be like they never would before. And she was definitely right. It took me a little while to come around to that. And I know that in some ways it upset her or made her sad that it took me so long to move in with her. But alas, she w was welcoming me with open arms when I did take that step to move in with her. So we start living together. And I always say that you truthfully never know anyone until you live with them. Some people wouldn't agree with that, but that's my opinion. And you will not change my mind. I don't think that you ever truly know anyone until you live with them, because that's when you are around each other the most. Even if you see each other often, you know, you're around each other the most when you're living together. And every day in our house is like a party. You know, we watch movies, we talk, we cook dinner, we make cookies, whatever. We just always are helping heal each other's inner child. And that's really important for me as well to have someone like that. So I can say, honestly, in a year's time of living together, it's just been phenomenal. Every time one of us would come in from work and be upset, the other one would comfort the other one, and we just work through things together. And I know that I'm painting this like everything is just absolutely 100% perfect and always has been. We've had things that we've had to talk, talk out and you know come to decisions on and stuff like that. But it's because we work together and we hear each other and we hear this thing that you did upset me, this thing that you did, it made me sad, this thing you did made me so happy. We express that with each other. That also took me a little while to come around to because I was normally used to when someone would express themselves to me, you know, this thing that you did, it upset me. I had to get defensive and lash back out when in reality with Becky, everything is so different because when she comes to me and says, I'm hurt, something you did hurt me or something that happened today hurt me, it's us versus a problem. It's not us versus each other. And that's how you always need to remember any kind of entanglements or whatever that you have with your partner is that it's not you versus them. It should never be you versus them. It should never be them versus you. It should always be the both of you versus whatever you have going on. How can we come up with a solution to solve what we have going on? I think that that is so very important and you keep noticing i'm always saying it was the first time i had this it was the first time i had this it was the first time i had this that's really how you know when you found your person because it's going to be like nothing that you have ever had before they're going to be understanding they're going to love you they're going to care about you they're going to support you 
They're not going to try to tear you down. They're not going to try to ruin things for you. They're just going to live with you, support you, and they're going to tell you when something is happening that could endanger your relationship, that you guys need to come together and work out together. Becky supports me playing Yu-Gi-Oh! She supports my hobbies. She supports me in my job. She just does so much for me that I've just never had done by anyone else before, ever. So I would say that when you start seeing someone, you should always be talking about things that you want in the future. Do you want to get married? Do you want to have kids? Do you want a house? Do you want to live where you're at? Do you want to move somewhere else? Do you ever want to have um, hobbies that could potentially keep you away from family more? Are you going to go out and go hunting or to go out and go fishing? Talk about things like that early on because it's very important. Becky and I talked about marriage in the very start and I said that I wanted to get married and have kids and stuff like that. And when we got really involved in our relationship, I started having some things come back and it was just things that were kind of cemented in me as a child by just circumstances I grew up around involving marriage. And it did scare me for a little while. I had to kind of go and get my head straight and get some things cleared out. But I did that because I loved Becky and I wanted to have this life with her because I love her so differently from how I've ever loved anyone. I don't think that I've ever actually truly loved anyone in the same way that I love and care about Becky, which is kind of crazy when you really think about it. But she just... She's just incredibly good to me, and she's just the best person I've ever known. And I always tell her that, you know, you're my biggest fan, you're my biggest supporter. I would be nowhere if it wasn't for you. So I'll tell you a little bit about my engagement. She had been expecting it for a little while, and Becky is probably like six, seven inches shorter than me. So she has to kind of use a footstool and, or a, a step stool to get to places that I can just reach and stuff like that. So I buy her this engagement ring about a month, month and a half ago. I plan out this trip. We're going to go to this winery in Virginia, which actually didn't end up working out because, well, you'll see later on. I buy her this ring and I get it in the mail and I'm like, where am I going to hide this? Because I do not want her to find it. So I go back and forth. Do I put it in my sock drawer? Do I hide it underneath the couch? Do I hide it in a cabinet? You know, what do I need to do to this to make sure that she cannot find this anywhere? And it hits me one day to actually go and put this in the cookie jar, which we do not use. It's completely just for um, decorative purposes only. It's a Pillsbury Doughboy cookie jar. It's on top of our cabinets. And I put that in there and there's no way that she can get to it without a step stool. And I just don't think that she would try to look, look at it. And I tell, I tell my cousin about where I put it. And he was like, wow, that's a great hiding spot. And I slip up one night and I tell her that, that my cousin thinks that it's a great place to hide this ring. And a couple of days later, she was like, I think I know where it's at, but she never did check. And she told me that she didn't. And I believe her. So I have this ring and she ends up getting off work for an entire weekend, which is absolutely unheard of for her. She rarely ever gets a Saturday off. She pretty much always has Sundays off, but rarely ever has any Saturdays off. So I plan out this whole day. We go to a winery, we drink wine, and then 
I hadn't exactly decided where I wanted to ask the question, but I had a pretty good idea. I'd narrowed it down to a couple places and kind of just thought in the days leading up where it'd be the most beautiful place. And we went to the Renolda Gardens, which is in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. It's the Renolda house you've heard of. R.J. Reynolds, tobacco, stuff like that. It's their family's house. It's a historic place. And I went there and I tricked her really good. We were walking toward a bench through a flower field. And I told her, uh, let's go sit down because my legs are hurting, which is believable. I always like to sit down after walking for a while. She walks in front of me. And when she turns around to sit down, I'm there on one knee with the ring. And she says yes. And we're both so happy. Take some pictures, stuff like that. And yeah, that's that's where we're at right now in it. We are planning a wedding, which will be late this year or early next year. It just depends on when we can schedule it and obviously funding it and stuff like that. Weddings aren't exactly cheap, but it's going to be relatively soon as compared to how some people schedule them out a couple of years. We're going to have a very, very, let me just reiterate on this, very small get together. It's actually almost going to be more like an elopement type thing. It's just going to be a couple very close friends and close family members because we can't, we're not going to rent someplace and have 50, 100, 200 people there. We just want to, you know, get married, have some pictures, have some memories and get started on our life together. So that's kind of where we're at right now. And I'm excited. I never thought that I would really get to this point with someone I never thought that I would be excited to be at this point with someone, especially. So being where I am right now, it just, it feels so good. It's the best I've ever felt in my life with someone. And I'm just head over heels in love with her. And I encourage you to find someone as well that supports you and loves you as much as she does me. So that's all the sappy stuff. I just wanted to just lightly touch on that. We're, we have two fan letters that we're going to read here. So this is going to be kind of a short podcast, and I apologize for the lack of podcasts being uploaded. We are going to be bringing you a podcast featuring Ryan Prescott, a.k.a. Ry Coco. Had some scheduling conflictions. I still haven't forgot about Keegan from E3 Yu-Gi-Oh! as well as a true hero from A True Hero. So we're going to have all those guys very, very soon. I've started doing my podcast segments on Saturday mornings now, except for this one, which I'm recording on Wednesday. But when I have a guest... I have them on Saturday. It's very difficult for me to work eight hours, come in, make dinner, do everything I need to do, and then still wait up until nine, ten o'clock and record a podcast. I really want to give you guys quality content and something that you would enjoy listening to. And I just feel like if I'm exhausted, that I'm just not going to be that involved. And I don't want to do that. I want to make you guys happy. So our first listener letter here comes from someone on Discord. They say, hello, Mike, I love your content. and I'm always enjoying whenever you put out new content or a new podcast. Very cool. Says, I also have enjoyed watching your War League replays. Um, yeah, wait, that's that's really bad. Don't watch my War League replays there. They're pretty embarrassing if I do say so myself. But he says, Throughout listening to your podcast and watching all of your content, I've come to realize that for you to be in your 30s, you're very wise and you seem like you know a lot. I'm going to choose not to be offended by that because I am only 28. He says that I've recently gotten into a new relationship and everything has been going good. That is until the first time I wanted to go to locals with my friends. What do you think I should do? Okay. 
I am not a professional when it comes to any type of relationship advice, but I can tell you what I would do if it was me in your shoes. If it was me in your shoes and knowing what I know now versus what I would have done several years back, if it was me several years back, I would tell you that you just need to just drop her and go find someone else. But that's not how I am anymore. There needs to be an adult conversation with you and your partner. And I don't think he specified gender. So we're just going to say partner. If I slip up and say girl or whatever, I do apologize. With your partner, you need to have this conversation. Why do you not want me to go to locals? Because this could also turn into things like you don't want me to go visit family. You don't want me to go golfing, hunting, fishing, football, whatever. You need to get to the root cause of what is making them not want you to do these things. You need to respect them as a person because something could be causing them to hurt. It could be a past experience, maybe someone that they have been with in the past, ignored them to go do their hobby and kind of just made them second choice. Maybe that's where this stems from. Maybe they just miss you. Maybe they're upset because they want to be involved with you. It's very difficult to teach someone how to play Yu-Gi-Oh, especially. So I wouldn't go that route. I sometimes try to teach Becky how to play Yu-Gi-Oh. Just very difficult. It's kind of something you have to grow into. But perhaps maybe there's something at your locals that they could be interested in. Maybe it's a board game. Maybe it's video games. Maybe it's just bringing your Nintendo Switch and just hanging out together as a couple and just enjoying the time. Maybe you could offer, hey, let's go get food before locals. You can come. I'll pull up an extra chair. Next to me, you can watch me play, spend time together, stuff like that. But you need to come to a conclusion, what is making them feel this way? And you need to work that out as adults because it's just going to keep coming back if you don't acknowledge it and get it figured out. Now, obviously, if Yu-Gi-Oh is a big part of your life in the same way that anything is a big part of your life, collecting cars, fixing cars, golfing, hunting, fishing, whatever is, and you can't ever come to a conclusion together and this just keeps resurfacing, you might have to think about the person that you're with. Is this the relationship that I want to be in? Because what I want to do that makes me happy is inadvertently hurting them. And it's just going to keep hurting you. So that's what I would do if it was me. If you want to send me a follow-up message on Discord, let me know how that goes. Or if you need more advice. So thank you, my friend. And I wish you nothing but the best. Our next listener letter here says, Hello, Edison Club Mike. I really enjoy the content, especially your Ultimate Light Sworn Guides. I was just curious if you could just cur- just curious if you could give me your thoughts on Fiend Comedian in the Light Sworn deck. Okay, I'm so glad I picked this one. I actually have another one for the next podcast, but I specifically picked this one because I love talking about Fiend Comedian so much. Fiend Comedian, I don't have it pulled up, but basically Fiend Comedian is an old trap card that says you toss a coin and call it. If, if it's um, what you, if it's heads, it banishes your opponent's whole graveyard. If it's tails, you mill cards from the top of your deck equal to how many cards your opponent has in their graveyard. So if, if your opponent has 10, you mill 10. If you call the right effect, you banish their entire graveyard. I always say that I feel like an Edison format there's only a handful of cards that are truly blowout cards. If you activate them, they resolve. You should win most of the time. Those cards are things like Trap Dust Shoot, Brain Control, Future Fusion sometimes, 
Future Fusion specifically in Dragon Turbo, if they open it, you're probably losing. I think if you if they open it in like Diva Hero or stuff like that, I think that it is manageable. I think you still can win because they're not just gaining so much advantage from Future Fusion, but especially in Dragon Turbo or like Trap Dragons where they just throw their whole deck in the graveyard and everything's turned on. It's very difficult to win. I think Fiend Comedian is one of those cards for Edison. It's kind of like a sixth sense type card. And you're going to notice when you play Fiend Comedian that it's going to be better in some matchups than other. It's very good against Christia Sworn. It's very good against Light Sworn. It can be really good against Amaryllis. There are times where it could be good against stuff like Vayu Turbo. And it's just either effect that you get is very good for you as a Light Sworn player. So let me give an example here. There is a locals that I travel to, which is about 30 minutes outside of my town. Whenever we play Edison and they actually host something, I go there. And oftentimes it is filled full of Light Sworn players. And if you don't know anything about the Light Sworn Mirror, it is chaotic. People can just absolutely just go unhinged, OD all over the field just if they get lucky. So it feels really bad when you're a super experienced Light Sworn player to play against someone that's not. And they just have Charge, Recharge, Lumina, Garoth, Judgment Dragon, Honest, and they just absolutely blow you out of the water before you even get a chance to do anything. That's where a card like Fiend Comedian comes in. Anytime I'm expecting a lot of Light Sworn variants, I always side at least two, but normally three Fiend Comedians. So this is how this works. Normally when you play in the Light Sworn Mirror, one person opens up just like how I said. They open up just dank stupid. And the other person is spending the whole game trying to catch up to where they got to. And if you don't open similar, it's very hard to get there. If they charge recharge, they've already milled five cards before you've even drawn your first card. At best, if you summon Lila, you're only milling three. So, when you have a card like Fiend Comedian, when you flip it, either you banish their whole graveyard, and now you're pretty much even on tempo and card advantage, because you have no graveyard, they have no graveyard. If you call it wrong, and you mill ten cards, well, you're still even. You can trigger your Wolves, you get your Necrogardner, your Plague Spreader, your JD names, turn on your Beckoning Light, turn on your Christius, whatever. And I think that it is probably the only card that actually does that. In some cases, maybe Soul Release can be just as good in the Light Sworn Mirror, and I actually do always side deck Soul Release as well. So you kind of have like four Fiend Comedians in a way. Soul Release can hit other things like Frogs. But I think that just having the ability to flip over Fiend Comedian and immediately just swing the game is just really important as a Light Sworn player. So I don't know that I would main deck Fiend Comedian, Mitchell Naus, my friend Hydro Pump, he actually does have a 60-card list that plays Fiend Comedian and, like, Triple Lightsworn Barrier. That deck is made to just massive mill cards. It's kind of made to break Lightsworn Barrier as, like, an infinite threatening roar where your opponent just can't ever kill your guys. But in a deck that's playing at 40, it's more risky. So I think that you just side deck Fiend Comedian. Now, there are going to be times when you play Fiend Comedian, maybe in a Lightsworn Mirror, and your opponent has 20, 25 cards in their graveyard. You have 10 cards left in your deck. And it really just is deciding the fate of the game on a coin toss at that point. But normally, if they're that far ahead, you've already lost anyway. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of Fiend Comedian. I definitely think you should try it out and put it in your deck and run it. See how it works. Okay, that's all the listener letters that we have for this week. We're going to start winding this thing down. It's going to be, like I said, a short episode. This weekend, my friend and I... Uh, Justin Perkins is going to record a podcast with me, which will be a multi-part podcast series where we are basically going to start from the very first card 
on the limited and forbidden list. Not the very first card ever banned, but the very top card, whatever is A on the limited and forbidden list for 2023, September, October. We're going to start there. We're going to go all the way down to semi-limited and discuss why every card is where it is on the list. And if any of those cards can get unbanned, will they go to one? Will they go to two? Will they go to three? Should any of those cards that are at one go to two or three? Anything that's at two, should it go to three? And so forth and so forth. We won't really cover, is there anything in the modern game that should be banned? Because we don't really keep up that much. But some of the cards that are on the list, even if you don't play advanced format Yu-Gi-Oh, you can read and you know why they're banned. <coughs> Gash Terrorize Heart. Um, so be sure to stay on the lookout for that. We'll uh, probably do those in like 45-minute segments. And it could be a two-part series. It could be a 20-part series. It just depends on how off-track that we get talking about those cards. So, as always, thank you guys for listening. And this is Mike from the Edison Club signing out until the next one.